Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Good morning, Way family. It is good to see you guys. For those of you who don't know us, uh, Mark Stevens is my wife, Barbara Stevens, and our son Nathan is in the back, back there. Uh, we've uh, been at the way for almost two years now. Seems like time is flying. Um, we were uh, we're with the International Mission Board and. We're 22 years overseas as missionaries, and then uh, come back the last two years to train new missionaries as they go out. And um, Josh had asked Andy and I to be part of the teaching team here at The Way. And so it is good to be able to look at the scripture together this morning. And just uh, we're going to continue the series on First John on light and love. Uh, this morning we will be in First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Um, the title of the message today is How to Distinguish Between the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Deception. So how to distinguish between the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Deception. Now, some of you may be hearing the title and like, okay, why do I even need to listen to this? One, it's the Bible, so I hope that's a good enough reason, but... Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is that we're all easily, easily deceived. And even in my own life, I, when I was in college, I, I started going to a church that I really, really liked. I loved the people there. It seemed to be a, a good church. And then I, uh, just, they started teaching some things I was a little bit concerned. And then I, uh, there was one guy in particular, he was part of what was called the Kansas City prophets, and he, he said one time about he was, that, uh, that he did a really good job because he and the prophets were right two-thirds of the time. Uh, now, that should be an indication right there, so uh, that'll be one of our things later. If you're ever wrong once, then, then the Bible says don't listen to that person. And so there was things like that, and, and I realized, oh, this may be heading in a road I didn't think it was, but they were great people. And, I, and it was just, it's, it's so attractive. And, and so um, that was when I was younger in the, in the faith. It was right after I was a believer and became a believer. And then, but, you know, you think as you get older that you're not as easily deceived, right? Well, uh, while I was on the mission field, we had a, um, a guy who, who taught with me at the seminary. And he was a great guy. He became a close friend, and we actually did some planting of churches together. But he always wanted everything to center around him, especially like that he would get the name. And, and he, was a, he was a friend, though. And we actually ended up in the place where we were. We ended up seeing 17 churches planted in that particular area. And, but then he started telling people, you know, you need to be baptized by me. And you need to uh, come under my authority and in my church. And, uh, 
you know, I, I thought, wow, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I'll not deal with that because things were going well. But then the Lord showed me that that, that was not good. And so even when I, when I was almost 20 years on the field at that point, uh, the, if I would have known what had a disappointing sermon, I should have known. There's five things we're going to look at of how we can distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. And one of them, which will be the last one, is will specifically be the issue that uh, this guy had. And they ended up destroying a lot of the churches that were started. Um, so it is important. Um, all of us, I'm sure, listen to different podcasts, listen to different things. And so we need to be able to distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So this morning, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, uh, read verses 1 through 6. So if you'll read along with me. Uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You've heard that he's coming, and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this, we will know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. You know that we can't do anything on our own. We can't understand on our own. I pray, Father, that you, your spirit would uh, give us wisdom this morning. Help us to understand your word. Help us to understand the difference, the distinction between uh, the spirit of you and what is a deceiving spirit, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we see in First uh, John chapter 4, in the start of that first verse, it, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Um, notice the connection. We, we've actually been in this series from First John, and we're up to chapter 4 now. Um, this is actually a connection that was actually from the previous chapter. The very last verse of chapter 3 says, and by this uh, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. He, so he t he's been talking about the Spirit, the Spirit, but then he, when he gets to chapter 4 says, but don't believe every spirit, because not every spirit is the Spirit of God. So there is a distinction between the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, and the spirit of deception. And it talks about that there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Um, during the time of the New Testament, a lot of times how they did church was when they would gather together, everybody would bring something, some way that they could offer to the Lord. So that may be a song, that may be a prophecy, a teaching, those kinds of things. 
And so what they, when they would come together, what would happen is they'd have several songs, but there would be two or at the most three prophets and two at the most three teachers and so on. But typically when the prophet would stand up, he would say, thus says the Holy Spirit. That's actually uh, what um, Spirit of Error, the Spirit of Deception uh, actually comes in a lot. And that's what he was trying to prepare them for, warn them for. He says to test the, the spirits to determine if they're from God because many false prophets have gone out in the world. There were many false prophets. Many people, many false teachers who are saying things for their own gain. Uh, for, and they even sound good. But uh, it's not from God. So um, the first... The first uh, test it gives us is in verse 2. It says, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And then in verse 3, but every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming in the world and, and is already in the world now. Okay, so what's the first test here? What's, how do you know if someone is from God or not? What does it say in verse 2 and 3 there? Yeah, it confesses Jesus. And specifically what about Jesus in this particular verse? Came in the flesh. That Jesus is fully human. And one of the big things that happens when you know that it is a spirit of deception and not the spirit of God is when people lessen in some way Christ's character. In this case, it's lessening his humanity. That yeah, he wasn't fully human. He, they don't believe his incarnation, that his coming into the world and he became fully man. Um, we saw back in uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2 uh, some more of this. Uh, this is back in a passage that pastor did a few weeks ago, but in 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, um, it says, who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? He's the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son can have the Father, and he who confesses the Son has the Father as well. So sometimes people may... Um, um, made um, lessen Christ's humanity, but a lot of times what they would lessen is his deity. And so that's what in 1 John 2 we see is that the Son, they don't acknowledge him as the Son, as the Messiah in this case as well. And so sometimes when people would do is lessen his humanity, sometimes it would be lessening his divinity, that he is truly God. So what the Bible tells us is that he's fully God and he's fully human. We may not understand all of that, but the Bible is very clear that he's fully God and fully human. And so in some way, though, people try to lessen uh, Christ's character. Uh, the other things uh, that we see here is you look, let's go back over to 1 John uh, chapter 4. Let's go down to verses 5 and 6. It says, they are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. 
From this, we will know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So people from the world will listen to those from the world. So what are the things that how you can tell a, a um, false prophet or false teacher is they're going to try to have the things of the world. Does anybody remember from, it was Andy preached this a few weeks ago, there are three things that are the base desires of the world. Does anybody remember those from a few weeks ago? Lust of the flesh? Lust of the eyes? Pride of life. All right, very good. Good job. Good job remembering. All right. That means Andy did a good job, right? People still remember it. Focuses on God. And so we see that those who uh, would listen to back then the apostles or prophets that were from the Lord. Um, well, by the way, do we, do we still have those today? Do we know what the apostles and prophets had back then said? That's the New Testament. And so this is where it is that either the world, uh, the false teacher will focus more on you and your own desires, whereas the person uh, who is focused on God, will come back to the scripture. What, it says in this case, what we are saying. What John, he's one of the apostles, is saying. So you have to always go back to the scripture, okay? So there's lots of uh, different things in this of how we can um, tell. So what, what I want to do now is just give you, it's a little acronym, but this will help us in knowing what is a false teacher or false prophet. So we're going to use our hands. Everybody stick up your hand. All right, so we're going to use F-A-L-S-E, so for false, F-A-L-S-E, okay? So false. This is how you know a false teacher or false prophet. So the first thing of that is they, ha- they have some kind of fallacy or error in what they say or predict. So everybody say fallacy fallacy. Okay, so this is the F. So the minute I'm going to ask you, what's the F stands over? F-A-L-S-E. So this is the acronym FALSE, and this is the first letter of it. Fallacy. Okay? So um, there's some kind of fallacy or error in what they say. So um, in Deuteronomy 18, it tells us that if anyone ever says something and it doesn't come true then don't listen to them, okay? So Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks the name of other gods, that prophet must die. You may say to yourself, How can we recognize a message that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet, spoke, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and do not be afraid of it. Okay, so if someone has some kind of prophecy, they say, this is thus says the Lord, or thus says the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't come true, what does that mean? It's false. It is not true. And we're not even to listen to them. So that's where, you know, I was in this, that church in the beginning, and two-thirds of they said were correct. So what does the scripture say about that? Yeah, this is a false teacher. Even though they seem like nice people, 
Really? I mean, they did. They, were, they seemed nice. Thankfully, after I left, they got into some really bad stuff, and I was so thankful that we left. But this is how you can know. So the first thing is some kind of fallacy or error. But it goes beyond that because Deuteronomy continues in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. says that if a prophet or someone who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or wonder to you, and that sign or wonder has promised, and, and that sign or wonder he has promised you comes about, but he says, let's follow other gods which you have not known, and let's worship them. Do not listen to that prophet's words or to that dreamer. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commands and listen to him. You must worship him and remain faithful to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from the ways of the Lord your God that he has commanded you to walk in. You must purge the evil from among you. And so, if someone says something and if it doesn't come true, it's obvious that they're not a true prophet or true teacher of God. But also, if they say something and it does come true, but they tell you something contrary to what God has already said in his word, you know they're a false prophet or false teacher also. Uh, So... um, in this case, in this passage, they were like, hey, let's serve other gods. They added some other god on. Well, you know that is a false teacher or false prophet. Um, but they, they can do miracles. This is interesting. The words of this book, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. Now, this is specifically in the context of Revelation, so it, it relates to Revelation, but it also is at the end of the Bible talking about the whole of the Bible. And so you cannot take away from or add to Scripture. And if you, somebody does, then you know that it is not true. If they're like, hey, there's, we're going to add some new Scripture beyond what's already there. You know, okay, this is not true. Or they take away, ah, oh, we don't like this part. So they take a part of it away. Or want to change the Scriptures in such a way that it takes out certain topics. Then you know that that teaching a prophet is, is not true. Those are the obvious ones. I think what the Pharisees did that Jesus was addressing in Matthew 15 are maybe the not-so-obvious ones. So what the Pharisees did is they believed in Scripture, but then they also had these other things they called the traditions of the elders. And they were considered on par with Scripture. And so much so that in Matthew 15, uh, Jesus gets on to them because they've added these traditions of the elders, some of which contradict the scriptures. Now, they were saying, here's the scriptures. We have these traditions of the elders in order so that it will help you keep the scriptures themselves. But in reality, they didn't. They just created legalism. And so this is what I think probably is more common, not just adding books or things like that to the scripture, but adding traditions, the traditions of the church as being on par with Scripture. Um, or the, but traditions. So the Scriptures are where we turn to. So adding anything or taking away anything from the Scripture is a sign that this is a false teacher or false prophet. So, okay, so what did the F stand for? Fallacy. Okay, so F-A. What did the A stand for? Add or take away. 
So they have some kind of fallacy or error. They add to or take away scripture. So L, so we're, we're building the word false, right? L, and this is the one we saw in 1 John. They lessen Christ's character in some way. So we've seen that they lessen his divine nature. They lessen his human nature or in some way, some kind of character quality of God, of Jesus. So um, I would say probably the one that I have seen the most of being a missionary, we were lots of different places. And so what I would hear most is, you know, God is really busy. And so he can't really hear me. So I want to use an intermediary, a saint, a somebody else that will then speak to God for me, right? All right? So I heard that a lot overseas. That there was, what, what is that saying? It's things that God does not know everything, that God can't uh, be in communication with me fully at the same time he's in communication with somebody else. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere. It's in some way lessening the character of God. And so, lessen the character of God, lessen the character of Christ in some way. You know, saying, well, Jesus is just a prophet. Or, as one uh, instance says, uh, like, well, he's just the brother of Lucifer. Uh, so there's in some way, though, you can know it's a false teacher or a false prophet if they in some way lower the character of Christ, lower the character of God. Um. So this is, okay, so what was the F? Fallacy. What was the A? Add or take away from Scripture. Okay, and the L is what? Okay, lessons Christ's character. Oh, yeah, I guess it's up there. So. I'm like, wow, you guys are doing really good. It's up there. Okay, so then we get to the S, which is uh, they supplement salvation, meaning that they add some kind of requirement to be saved. Um, this is the, we see the book of Galatians was actually written because of what was happening in Galatia at the time. Paul had come, planted a church there. It was thriving. But then when he left, some Judaizers had come in. And the Judaizers were saying, yes, you need to be saved by grace through faith, but you need to also add following the law and being circumcised. So you see there's an addition. Anytime you have an addition other than saved by grace through faith, you know that they're adding in some way to salvation. And so they some way supplement salvation. Now, Paul was pretty severe with them when uh, he spoke to these Galatians about this matter. It's in Galatians chapter 1, uh, verses, sorry, in verse 5, says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. It's the word anathema, be accursed. That's fairly severe. But the idea is that, that they add something to salvation. So the common today is not necessarily following the law. There is still that. There are some churches who say that. But the most common I see today is to be saved, not only is it saved by grace through faith, but you need to become a member of our church to be saved. 
They're adding something to salvation. So they're supplementing salvation, that salvation was not enough. And this is, what is the gospel, right? Is that God is a holy God. He created us to have a relationship with himself, but because of our sin, our, our relationship with God was broken. And God is a holy God, so he does not allow sin into his presence. So how do we come back into relationship with God when we all have sin? Everybody in here have sin? Raise your hand if you have sin. It should be everybody. We read that a few weeks ago in 1 John, right? Anybody who says they don't have sin, you're deceived and you're a liar. Uh, Okay, we all have sin, and the result is we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of what that standard God has. So what can we do? Because we have sin, we can't go back and change the past things we know what we've done wrong. So how do we come back in the presence of a holy God who doesn't allow sin into his presence? He sent his son Jesus. He came in the form of man. God with us. That's what we saying earlier. God with us. God coming in human form. Jesus. And he loved us so much that he himself came and died for us. And Jesus lived a perfect life. Had no sin. And he went to the cross and died for us. He, as had been said all throughout the Old Testament, the only way to get rid of sin is you had to have a sacrifice. And it was the pictures of an animal. It would picture like a, a lamb, and they would have to put the, their hand on the head of the lamb and then say, uh, they'd confess their sin, and then symbolically the sin would be transferred to the animal, but then the animal would be killed. Why did the animal have to be killed? Because the, yeah, what you got? Yeah, so the sin would be canceled because the wages of sin is death. The result of all sin is death. It should be that every sin then gets the penalty of death because God is a holy God. And But how they could take that away is they had this lamb that would die for them. They'd take the blood, put it on, on the altar, and then the priest would come out and say, your sins are forgiven. And then they could commune with God and have a relationship with God. Now, these were only symbolic because can animals actually take away sin? No. But it was to show a picture that Jesus was the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sin of the world. That Jesus came, he died on the cross to take our death penalty. And he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And so the gospel is, is that we aren't saved because of anything that we do. We are saved because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so we are saved by grace. The word grace means a gift. It's a gift of God. We are saved not because of anything we've done. We deserve death and hell. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But God himself loved us and came so that our sins could be forgiven. And he gives us this gift of grace that our sins could be forgiven in Jesus Christ. Our response to that is then faith. We turn from our ways and we are now, we trust that what Jesus did on the cross saved us from our sin. And so that's what we say 
that salvation is by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast, right? Um, and that, when anybody changes the gospel and adds anything else, yeah, you need to be saved by grace through faith, but you need to also. You need to come to the church, or you need to do these other things. You need to follow the law, or anything else that it's adding to salvation. And it's the very thing that Paul condemns over and over. And so if you see anybody supplementing salvation with anything else, you know that it is a false teacher or a false prophet. Okay, so F stands for what? Fallacy. Fallacy. A? Okay, add to or take away scripture. Okay, L? Okay, lesson Christ's character. And S? Supplement salvation, okay? And then the last one is egocentric, okay? Now, um, this is a, a friend of mine and I, his name is Mike. We were working on this together, and we were actually taking all of the different passages from the whole of the Bible together and thinking, okay, what does the Bible have to say about how we can know a false teacher or a false prophet? This is the one that is most mentioned all throughout the Scripture as the thing that is the thing to be most watchful for. So this is the one that is mentioned the most. So egocentric means that the teacher focuses on their own desire, that they are the center of attention. It's not focused on God, but it's focused on them and their desires. But also, in order to get people to follow them, many times what they do is focus on your own desires. We go back to the world. And what, what do people most want to hear? Uh, uh, what the Bible says is itching ears that, you know, we want someone to tell us the things that we want to hear. And so either it's focused on themselves or it's focused on you being egocentric so that then you will follow after them. But the point all of it is to uh, be egocentric. So um, lots of different verses on this. Second uh, Peter has a lot to say about this, talking about uh, the faults teachers, he says that they follow their own sensuality the result, that would result in the way of the truth being blasphemed. They're greedy. They exploit with false words. In verse 10 there, also Second uh, Peter 2, that they indulge in the lust of defiling passions and the despise authority. Uh, Jude also, the whole book of Jude is actually relay, uh, written dealing with this uh, particular issue, and, they ha and he talks about these false teachers as ungodly men who deny Jesus, rely on their dreams, and they defile the flesh and reject authority. He says that they walk in the way of Balaam and Korah's rebellion. So Balaam was the guy who uh, had the Israelites fall into sexual immorality, and Korah rebelled against Moses' leadership. And so these guys focus everything to focus on their own desires, their own sensuality, and then, and then rebel against uh, authority. It's, it, in Jude, it also says that they are shepherds feeding themselves. They're grumblers, malcontents. They're following their own sinful desires, and they show favoritism to gain advantage. Um, so this is a, 
this is the one that's most common. This is, this is my friend from, from uh, when we were on the mission field who was at the seminary with me. He was focused on himself. He wanted to be the one in charge and everybody come under him. And this is, the other four deal with doctrine. And, but this one is the subtle one. Like, oh, that all sounds good doctrinally, right? But look at their character. And that's actually one of the verses in Matthew 7 says, look at the fruit of their life, the char- their character. And you can see. Uh, so, uh, they end up being hypocritical. Like, you know, this church needs me. Therefore, I can do whatever I want because I'm special and I, I can do things that are, the Bible says not to do, but since I'm so special, then I can, it's okay. Okay, they're hypocritical. Um, sensual, greedy, overpowering. This is one of the ones that... When I was looking at these verses, I was like, wow, you know, it's, they, especially it says in weak-willed women, they can overpower them. And so someone who's trying to overpower. Um, it was just fascinating verses as we look through all of this. But I just come back to my friend that when we were on the mission field that I was working with. Uh, Acts 20 in particular reminds me of him. This is talking that... Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders. So he's talking to the elders, and he he warns them that fierce wolves will come in. Men from among their own number will arise, speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after themselves. And this is exactly what happened with my friend when we were on the mission field. Thought he was a great guy, but he, he was an elder of the church, of one of the churches there. But he drew away people after himself and twisted things so that people would follow after himself. And this is very common today. This is the one that I would say is so common today. And so um, today how this usually plays out is they don't want to talk about sin. So let's just talk about the positive, only the positive. Let's tell you about all the what Christ has done for you, the positives, but we're not going to talk about sin or anything negative. The other way I see this play out is, and the Bible has a lot to talk about suffering. It actually says that everybody who believes will suffer. But false teachers will say, if you just believe, you can get healthy. You'll be healed. If you... If you just believe what, whatever it is, X, whatever thing it is that the person's wanting, if you just believe, you'll get it. See, they're, try, they're trying to get them to focus on what they get and not focus on God. So this is how you can tell a false teacher or a false prophet. Okay, I, I want you to know in this that why do we preach this. Uh, it's not to condemn people. I myself have been there. I've, I say this because, one, it's in the Scripture. We're going through the Scripture. This is one thing about going chapter by chapter through the Scripture. You can't skip over things, right? But I want you to know out of love that there are a lot of false teachers, a lot of false prophets. We should expect that they're trying to get into the church into believers' lives. 
And we don't want to condemn people, but we want to expose error. And we don't want you to fall into the traps that the schemes of the devil, he will make it look good. It will look good. They'll seem like nice people. But we don't want you to fall into those traps. Okay, so what's the F? Fallacy. A? Okay, add to take away from Scripture. L? Less than Christ's character. Okay, the S? Supplement salvation. Supplement salvation. And the E? Egocentric. Egocentric. Okay. So, how could you summarize all of this? That's why we did the F-A-L-S-E. It's up there. For false. How you know a false teacher? The first four deal with doctrine. Okay? Does doctrine matter? <laughs> Glad you said that so strongly. <laughs> Okay, it does matter uh, because we all have a way that we view the world. It's called worldview, but that's made up of our beliefs, of our doctrines, the things that we believe, okay? And then out of that comes what we do. And if our doctrines are wrong, that means we end up doing wrong things. And so our beliefs are really important. Now, I used to not think that it was that important. I was like, well... It's important, but it's not that important. The particular issue that the Lord showed me in my own life um, was baptism. I grew up a pastor's kid. Um, I actually, in, in the church where my dad pastored, they would have you have an invitation and you come down front, right, if you wanted to receive Christ. And so I went down front Several times, wasn't really saved, but I'd gone down in front several times and been baptized multiple times. Well, later, when I actually was truly saved, I was like, you know, I've already been baptized multiple times. Does it really matter that I get baptized again? Well, it did. And, and I used to think, well, it's not that big of a deal. But then I was reading in Acts 19. And I was reading about John the Baptist's disciples who had all already been baptized. And then they understood truly about Jesus. And they received the Holy Spirit and they were baptized. Truly. Baptism comes after we are saved. And so because of that, I chose to get baptized. Uh, later, I was actually already preaching at that point. And I was convicted. And then I went through this massive look at every verse on baptism in the New Testament. It came to the conviction that, that I, it's, a, it's an act of obedience to Christ. And I wanted to obey Christ. And so I was baptized by immersion after I was saved. And so doctrine does matter. It leads to what we do. Um, so um, it does matter. The other thing, so you can summarize these. The first four are doctrine. How you can summarize that is, what does it say in the Scripture? This all comes back to Scripture. The reason why we spend so much time in Scripture in this church, and this is one of the reasons why Barbara and I, Nathan, decided to come to this church, was the emphasis on Scripture. We always come back to Scripture. And not only that, in C groups and in D groups, I mean, we're going through 
chapter by chapter through the Scripture so that people will know Scripture. We desperately need the Scripture because many times we're deceived because we don't know the Scripture. And so there's an emphasis in this church, and this is why we love this family, this church, is the emphasis on Scripture. We always go back to Scripture. Even when Andy and Josh and I are talking about things to share, we always go back to the Scripture. What does the Scripture have to say? And so all of those things of doctrine come back to the Scripture. So if you want to summarize even the five down to two things, the first would be, what does the Scripture say? This will help you know if it's true, if it's truly a false teacher or not. And the other is, look at the fruit of their life. And that's the last one, is the egocentric. Are they really about themselves? Does the fruit of their life really show that they are following after Jesus? I mean, that is really what we're about in this 1 John book, right? As we've been going through 1 John, it's basically a contrast between um, people who are truly believers and those who say that they are believers, but their life does not match. And so we've seen all these different contrasts as we've gone through. And this is as part of that here in, in 1 John 4, is the, our life should match what we are saying. And so, um, yeah, that's, this is how we can distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception, okay? Now, there is one other verse that we haven't covered yet in 1 John 4, and that is verse 4. So I, I did 1, 2, 3, and then 5 and 6. I want to come back to verse 4 so that we make sure we have all of the different verses here, um, so, uh, First John four, uh, First John four, verse four. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So I didn't want to leave this part out because it's really important. Um, there is demonic activity in the world. They're, they're real. Overseas, I saw a lot of this. Even though we don't see it so much in the U.S., but overseas, you see a lot of it. There is demonic and satanic activity. Satan and demons are real. But we don't have to worry about them. We have to be aware and not follow their schemes, but we don't have to worry about them. Um, it says in 1 John 5, so this is a little later, and I'm sure we'll hit this again in chapter 5, but in verse 18 and 19 it says, we know that overseas is that people would have them cut their strings so that they would no longer be, these protective amulets have some kind of supposedly spirit's power that will help them protect from other spirits. So we have them cut those to show that they're no longer trusting in these other things, but they're trusting in God. Now if they cut it and they don't, have Christ, they can be attacked. And I've seen that happen. But if they cut it and Christ is in them, then they don't have anything to worry about. And this is what we come back to in all of this, is that God is greater than everything else. He is a loving, holy God. He knows everything. He is, he's everywhere. He's all wise. And we can trust him. 
And that's what we come back to in this. So that's why we don't go to fortune tellers or play with Ouija boards or things like that, right? Because those are all using powers of spirits. And so we trust God, not in these other things. Okay, so how can we apply all of this? These six verses here out of, that we've had out of First John. So the first way is I want you to think about how you can apply is because it tells us to test the spirits. Test to see if this is a spirit of the spirit of error or the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Think about the podcasts you listen to or the people that you listen to. Um, are there people that are sharing things? They seem like nice. They seem like they're biblical, but they say things that hit one of these five. That would be an indication to you that it is the spirit of deception and not the spirit of truth. The big thing that I always look at is, do they focus on Scripture? Do they always come back to Scripture? Or do they talk about things and every once in a while throw in a verse, but they're really talking about their own thing? That would be a good indication. Or maybe things that you read. The other application, of course, is I hope there's no way that you're involved with other spirits. <laughs> but if you are, I hope that you will get rid of those. I remember one thing in the, uh, when we were in the Philippines. Uh, we had a witch doctor who came to faith. And so he actually came to church and brought all of his, he'd read, he would read out of Acts of how they brought all their stuff and burned it. And so he actually brought his books and his incantation things and his amulets and brought it all and burned it. Just an incredible thing to see, just seeing acts being lived out, right? And so we get rid of those things and we don't associate with those things. But the other thing is, see, this is all, this, these verses are all hinged on that last verse of chapter 3, is that, um, that God's Spirit is within us. And that's how we know if we truly are a believer or not. And so it comes back to then we know the, the distinguish between the spirits. But the question is, as I was, um, are you a, uh, as I struggled with this question when I was younger, are you truly a believer? Because that's the point of this First John book is to distinguish between those who say that they're a believer, they're doing all the right things, but they're not, and those who are truly believers. And I'm telling you, and I always say this almost every time I teach or preach, I want you to make sure that you're in the faith. Because I was a pastor's kid. I was already preaching. I was a pastor. done, And not on what Christ had done. And so the application or how we can respond today is if you have never truly placed your trust and faith in Christ, I pray that you will do that today. Um, we're going to have a time of response, and the band can go ahead and come up. And we're going to have a team over here that will pray with you. But I want you to respond. You can respond by singing because of our great God, and just respond by offering praise and thanksgiving back to Him in song. You may need to respond by truly placing your faith in Christ. You may have a prayer need that you have, and you just need to pray with somebody. That's where we'll have the prayer team over here. Whatever it is, we want you to respond. We want you to respond to what God is doing in your heart and life right now.
want you to stand with us and we'll sing and I want you to respond. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.